Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Knicks.Mailbag, or the Knicks.Mail.Bag. Uh, this is episode 49, and I am joined by my co-host today to answer all of your questions about basketball and life and everything in between. Uh, I am joined by Andrew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, a.k.a. Scooter Toots. Doug, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing all right. I like that the uh, the government name is out there, but that's okay. This is only for the Strickland patrons, and they deserve it. Yes, exactly. And nobody could have ever figured it out any other way other than listening to this <laughs> Patreon podcast. Uh, but before we get started answering everybody's questions, I do need to announce that the Strickland does have a Patreon, uh, as, as Drew said. Uh, pointed out himself there uh the strickland does have a patreon uh you can subscribe to it there's many tiers there's six dollar tier that gets you access to this mailbag uh in full every other week it also gets you access to pod strickland every friday uh you also get access to the strickland discord where we all talk about the knicks and forrest gump apparently all the time uh <laughs> additionally uh there's further tiers there's a nine dollar tier uh, that will get you access to weekly articles by the wonderful Jack Huntley and Matthew Miranda, two of the best Knicks basketball, any type of writers out there. Uh, in addition, uh, if you want to listen to me yell more about the Knicks and basketball, uh, you also get access to my solo pod, uh, Strick and Roll, if you subscribe to that tier. Uh, there are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and a $100 tier. All of those come with additional perks, such as additional discounts on merchandise, listening in, watching in on pod recordings, uh, live game watches, and also potentially the opportunity to host a pod with us. Uh, But whether you choose to subscribe or not, your support is welcome. None of this would be possible without you. And without further ado... Let's get 
to the mailbag. All right. Uh, first question, and let's start. Let's start at the bottom because that seems to be. Uh, it it seems like we got the stupid non basketball questions in the beginning, and then so we got many. basketball so ones at the end. So I'm going to start at the end. Uh, this one is from Ronnie from Hell's Kitchen. Thank you for the question, Ronnie. Uh, he asks. Elite players no longer enter free agency. That must change team building, right? The path, of course, still exists to be bad and or have draft luck. Amass assets and eventually trade many assets for a great player. Then fill in the gaps around the great player and few remaining assets with vets. Here's the question. Can teams still be very good and great? Can still can teams still be very good slash great for a long time if they don't draft a generational talent? Or are mediocre teams forced into making short-term big bets on winning? Ooh, this is, and this is definitely an interesting question because I think teams can always be good or very good, right? Like there always is a path when you just you know you draft well, you sign the right free agents, you do like you do all like the basic things, but. The problem is, though, like, if you don't get the generational talent, you're probably never, ever going to be title contenders, you know, conference title contenders. So, like, I would say very good, yes. Like, great teams, absolutely not. And then I think because of that, if you're going to go, like, try to go big to win a title, we are talking about a lot more short-term bets. So I think it's like... If a team is fine being consistently like second round in the playoffs and out, kind of like a like a Utah Jazz, the uh, the Hawk, the Joe Johnson Hawks, like that type of teams, like sure, like you can just like draft well. You know, we've seen a lot of teams, especially like the Knicks lately, like they're drafting well at the end of the draft. Teams are getting smarter that way, finding out finding good players late in the draft. So you can always build a competitive team. The question then becomes, it's just like, do you really, do you want to go in? And then when do you go in? And I think that's where the short-term stuff comes. Because, like, you got to shell out now, it seems like, for, like, these these star players. And a lot of them aren't, they're not going anywhere either, unless they're truly demanding a trade. And, and the players that are going to be demanding trades, potentially, like, aren't really, like, the franchise-level changing guys. So, like, it's it's in a weird space, with teams. And I know we're going to get to a question too. That's going to talk about like trading players, you know, onto like the Knicks. And it's just like the players who would potentially be available for like really aren't going to move things to me at least. So yeah, yeah, that's, I hope that makes sense. So what, what do you think? Um, I think it's a really good question. Um, uh... I think it's really hard. I mean, I also, I'm not sure what generational talent means to everybody because to me, it's like, I think they're, you know, at any given time in the NBA, there's probably like five or six guys who really genuinely can be the best players on a title team. Um, so that's what it means to me to be a generational talent. Um, that doesn't necessarily need to be everybody's definition. Uh, I mean, I think even without a player of that caliber, yeah, teams can still be very good, um, maybe even great potentially uh, over a long period of time, but it's a lot harder. 
Um, and you know, like it definitely is an interesting thing. I think one of the issues that we see now are teams sitting on, it seems like there's a lot of teams that are not comfortable making moves. Like it it just feels Mm -hmm. like there's been a lot of inertia in terms of the trade market. Um, I know last off season, the Bane, the biggest player who moved was what, like DeMar DeRozan. Um, pretty much. Yeah. Then it would have been like, next was what, like Evan Fournier basically. Cause he got like a large, relatively large contract compared to, you know, the rest of the free agency. Like there really weren't like big names. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. It just, I mean, there wasn't a lot of huge movement last off season. I'm genuinely struggling to think of any team that made a huge splash. Um, and I think even at the deadline, um, Last year, the biggest move was the Vucevic trade and Aaron Gordon. Mm -hmm. So, like, you know, uh, ultimately the reality is, like, that 2019 offseason was the last time that there was a lot of star player movement. Um, And that's just, I think, the reality of the league at this point in time. Um, Is it always going to be that way? I don't think so. Um, I would imagine that that'll change as we go along. But... um, you know, at this point, like, yeah, I, I think we're in a, a an interesting stage, and I think teams have to be patient, or you're going to have to take a, you know, like, uh, if you want to take a look at the Bulls, for example, they've rolled the dice pretty big. They rolled the dice on Vucevic, and they rolled the dice on DeRozan, and they got a lot of criticism from it, uh, or for it, you know, including like people like me, and I'm still pretty skeptical of a team fielding DeRozan, Vooch, and Levine's odds come playoff time of what they can do, but um, you know, they do deserve credit for the way they have played so far and for going for it. And ultimately, like, you know, I think that's the level of risk you're talking about. Um, you're not going to get the clear cut peerless superstars very easily. Um, and you're gonna have to take risks. So, you know, if you want to make a bet, like, is it doesn't make sense to go for somebody like De'Aaron Fox. That's something that you're willing to build around. Are there players like of that ilk who are extremely talented but have significant flaws, and you have to and you're willing to work your way around that? Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know if it's worth it. It's hard to it's hard to answer that question. Um, but I do think, yeah, like teams are forced to make different decisions now than um previously but like yeah i mean ultimately still at the end of the day i do think that draft luck is a huge piece of it um you know you take a look at a team like memphis you know they got jaron jackson jr and then they moved up to the second pick for john morant and yes they've drafted well aside from that they've made some shrewd moves aside from that but like those two pieces help a lot um you know you look at a team like cleveland drafted garland at five deserve a lot of credit for that they got Evan Mobley at three, which was it's as much of a no-brainer pick as possibly could have existed for them. Um, I mean, you can give them credit for it, but it's not exactly a move that was next-level genius of any kind. Um, so, I mean, it, it's it's really that. So I think a lot of it is drafting smart and being patient and then going in for the right player in a trade or, you know, uh, or getting lucky in the draft. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess to some degree, I do think teams are forced into making short-term bets, but 
Um, I mean, they don't need to be short term either. They don't have to be, um, you know, like if you, you know, I don't know how trading for De'Aaron Fox would necessarily work, but 24 doesn't really seem like that's a short term bet. Um, Mm -hmm. And maybe we'll see more younger players um, in that age group, that age bracket moving in trade. I mean, the Knicks did it with. Porzingis. They traded Porzingis when he was 23 or 24, I believe. Um, and, you know, I thought it was a risky move for Dallas, but I don't think I would define it as a short-term move as much as one that was immediately very aggressive early on in Luca's career. So, yeah, like I don't think moves like that necessarily need to be viewed as short-term, but they are risking a lot. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, because like where it did work out, for teams where like the risk does like right now it's working for the bulls will wait till playoff time for a team like the heat that kind of gambled on Jimmy Butler with the, you know, the Jimmy Butler trade from uh, Philadelphia, like that worked mainly because like he had a lot of things like the bubble happening that had them go into the, uh, the finals. But like, like Jimmy Butler is probably like the best of the best player who's going to be, who just happened to be available at that time. Like players like Jimmy Butler don't usually like aren't really available. Like the Sixers should have kept him. This should have been kinda like that thing. Like you can hope for like how the Heat kinda like play with their coach and the timing. Like the Heat would probably be like the best case scenario for like a very good team that made it and like, you know, like took the risk, took the gamble, got the got the elite player and went from there. So like you do have to take a risk. You're right. So, like, there is risk involved, but, like, I don't know if these, like, the situation, we'll have to see, like, the situation basically has to happen. Like, they're really hard to predict. And it's also really difficult to be like, is that the player? Because there's always going to be risk involved. There was even risk with the Heat with Jimmy Butler, and Jimmy Butler is absolutely amazing. So, but at the same time, like, if the bubble doesn't happen, are we really talking about, like, the Heat being that great? Like, they, we could only be talking about like a second round playoff team still. So, I mean, they're number one in the East right now, I think. Um, Right. And they, well, they also managed to do things like Bam has progressed. Um, Tyler hero, who still sucks. He can at least score off the bench and having Kyle Lowry has been, you know, (laughs) like an absolute blessing who is like a perfect heat player and a perfect type of point guard for them. Well, I just think that like kind of shows you that free agency is dead and that you don't necessarily need like you can get players. I mean, they got Jimmy Butler for Josh Richardson. Yeah, for like scraps. They didn't give up much to get him. So like if a guy is like if Bradley Beal is a free agent and he just says and I'm not saying the Knicks I I have a lot of thoughts on Bradley Beal, which we don't need to get into right now, but um if Bradley Beal just he's going to be a free agent this offseason. If he just goes to his front office and is like, I'm going to go to the Knicks, so get whatever you can for me. Um, you know, I don't know if I would necessarily, I don't know if I would expect to give up a ton um, in a trade like that. And, um, you know, I, I just, I don't know if that needs to, you know, I guess like, it, it just depends. Like there's situations where you give up a lot in trade and there's situations mm-hmm. where you don't. And it depends on the contract and all these kind of things. So, um, 
you know, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, I, I don't necessarily think, I think there are situations where teams are forced into making short-term bets, but I don't think that's always the case. So, um, all right, moving on to our next question. This one is from Justin comma grimes is clay truther uh there seems to be a massive disparity in how the nba internet slash national media talks about our young players versus how we talk about them how much of that is us being homers versus them not getting enough burn to put up the numbers associated with being a great prospect do we think other front offices are also lower on our guys for those reasons i.e uh, us playing like a 67 win team in OB minutes, but his perception outside of Knicks land is still that of a bust <laughs> slash just a dunker. Um, I don't know if you feel this way, but I do feel like the NBA is shifting more towards like localized markets like baseball did before. You know how like with like baseball, like the yes network became a thing. And it's a lot more like regional. I do think basketball is moving towards more regional, like content and things like that. Like the next, you know, they're on MSG and all these sort of things. So like everyone in that area is going to see it. So we're constantly watching it where the national media isn't really watching. Like you can't just watch everything and have like these nuanced perspectives. And even then the national media is a lot more obsessed with like narratives and storylines and actually going into like, Who's good? Who's bad? What's going on? Like, we've kind of seen that with, like, the Westbrook stuff. Like, Sports Illustrated is pushing towards, like, the Knicks. And it's like, Westbrook sucks. He's not going to the Knicks. But, like, that's the type of stuff that they're trying to sell. I don't... Obviously, all fans are going to be homers. Like, that's that's what fans do. We hype up everyone. But, like, Obi's good. Like, I... I and I think anyone who, like, is reasonable things. Like, we kind of saw that with... Uh, with like Kevin O'Connor recently on a on a Simmons podcast, like someone brought it to our attention in the uh, the Discord, right? Like Simmons was doing his basic, you know, trolling about Westbrook, and O'Connor was like, "Nah, man, like the Knicks young guys are pretty good." So it's like I do think there's reasonable people out there who are reasonable who do their best to try to do their job, watch all the games, try to get as much information as possible. But I think a lot of it is just I don't think a lot of people are watching all these different teams in as much detail as we would like to think the national NBA media or NBA Twitter, whoever is like, is actually doing. Like, I think it's very difficult to truly invest in all the teams and to have like good perspective on things. So like, if you're not watching the Knicks, Obi does come off as like, dude, he is like, dude, he's not playing and all, all I see are highlight dunks. Like, is he actually good? But if you're watching the Knicks in detail, you're just like, well, yeah, no, Obi is amazing because he doesn't have to create on the ball to be super effective. So it's like we see that because we're watching every single goddamn game. So that's what I think it is. Like, I just don't think national media for like any sport, maybe except football, because there aren't that many games like a week because it's only like once a week in baseball. There's too much. You see, so like, that's what I, I just think it's too difficult and people just don't have the perspective. They don't talk, but they're forced to talk. So they have all these terrible opinions. So they just look at the numbers or they look at the highlights and go from there. Um, <clears throat> I think there's a lot of interesting parts to this question. Um, I, I don't actually think we're being homers. If the main takeaway is like, I don't know that the Knicks have a bunch of good young players. If that's like the general belief, I don't think that's 
that much of a hot take. Yeah, uh, no, that's not a hot take. If you're just like, they're good players who can definitely be on good team rotations, that's not a hot take. You're just like, Obi can definitely contribute 20 minutes on like the Warriors easily. Um, Yeah, and I, I think that the Knicks have a bunch of guys that are like that. Um, And I know, I know that there's this weird thing now where quickly is a bad player um, because he's not shooting well this year, but um, I'm here to tell people that that's not true and you can go fuck yourself if you think that. Um, But, you know, I think quickly is a good player. I think Obi's a good player. I think Grimes is a good player and I think he could get a lot better. We'll see how it goes with him. Um, I think RJ is a good player. So that's four guys right there that are at the very minimum. Like if we just want to be as, you know, boring and non-hyperbolic as possible i think those four are all very they're they're good players i think mitch is even mitch is a good player he's divisive and he maybe he doesn't have the upside that people think but he's a good player that's five guys that are 23 or younger actually no obi's 24 so 24 (laughs) who are good young players um and I don't think it's being a homer to say that uh, if you want to get into the specifics of what people say about them. I mean, yeah, sure. There's always going to be fans that are over the top or exaggerate and stuff like that. But um, I don't think for the most part, Knicks fans are that crazy about their young guys. Um, at least not in comparison to other front or other fan bases who are equally outrageous with their thoughts. Um, I mean, do we? Do I think that part of that is because the numbers that are associated? Yeah, I definitely think so. I think that if Obi was playing on a bad team, if he was playing on the Thunder and he got to play thirty minutes a night, he would mm-hmm. probably be averaging like eighteen and nine and two five two and a half three assists and all this kind of stuff. And even if that team wasn't winning, there would be a lot more like, well, what if you put him on a better team? What if this team? What if these? other guys in the team pick it up and like you, you would see a lot more of that. And because he doesn't get those minutes to get, put up those counting stats, to have big games, um, you know, uh, it, it leads to people not <clears throat> properly evaluating him or properly rating him. I mean, we see this with Knicks fans ourselves. We see Knicks fans treat these guys like afterthoughts and trades like, Oh yeah, I would trade quickly and OB and three picks for De'Aaron Fox. And it's like, I, I don't know why you would just do that. And like, yeah, that's not insane. Think about it. Um, you know, uh, even beyond that, you see people that are just like, well, you know, uh, you know, Tibbs is, he's protecting them. They can't handle more minutes. He's putting them in the positions for the, for them to succeed and blah, blah, blah. And like, yeah, maybe that's true. I don't know. I don't particularly find the evidence compelling of that because they generally seem to play well even against other team starters when given opportunities. Um, but like, you know, um, of course that it it impacts all of that. It definitely gives off the perception of them as lesser players, and I think that's why there was a report, or at least low kind of hinted at it that their team's trying to poach quickly from the Knicks and if you can read into that you might perceive that they're probably teams trying to poach somebody like Obi Toppin um, I don't know if they would try I don't think they would even have a chance of poaching uh, Grimes given how well he's played already as yeah there's, there's no way the Knicks are trading Grimes right now like yeah no way so I just yeah I mean I definitely think that it gives off the impression that there are guys on our team that, you know, these young guys are lower caliber players for whatever reason. Um, and, you know, you see that with Knicks players all the time, whereas like, you know, um, 
as an example, like Tyrese Maxey had 33 last night against the Grizzlies. He played great. Uh, they won the game. And, you know, now he's like the next young superstar. And I mean, which uh, I don't even want to get into why I think that's a little bit outrageous. Um, but like, <clears throat> you know, if you put like a guy like, you know, RJ's had a bunch of 30 point games, that that's not a big deal. Um, it's, it doesn't change. It, it just, I, I don't really understand it. It does often feel like the Knicks young players for whatever reason are, I don't even want to say hyped, like not getting hyped, but they don't seem to get a fair shake uh, from a lot of people. And, um, you know, like I think an interesting example would be somebody like Cam Reddish, who was a lot of hype his first two and a half years when he was a Hawk. And we'll see what happens if he starts getting more minutes on the Knicks. But I imagine that all of a sudden we'll get a lot of very objective and clear cut <laughs> rational thoughts on what Cam Reddish is as a player and what his prospects are moving forward. Do you know what? Uh, I just I just wanted to just double check because you're like, if Obi was getting thirty plus minutes, what his stat line would be. So I just wanted to see what his per thirty six numbers were. It's great. He's yeah, a, it's great. Yeah, he's it's seventeen point seven points on sixty one true shooting, and that's with like him being dreadful from three, um, eight rebounds and two assists. Like we're talking about a guy who's a hyper efficient, like offensive player elite transition player great diving to the plate and his defense has improved so it's like like that's the type of player if he got the opportunity would be like everyone would be like oh my god like look at this kid like he's he looks really good he's just not getting minutes like that's really what it is like he's not getting minutes and the team has been disappointing so they're not going to get hyped like the sixers are playing well so maxi is going to get the hype like maxi is a good young player he's not He's not going to be an elite player, but he's very good, and he's going to get that hype. And also, like, I just don't think people are watching the Knicks. Like, I think that's one of the main things, too. It's just, like, they're just not watching. I, I You see people, especially on, like, the internet, they rather watch the Oklahoma City Thunder. Like, that's like that's what they're choosing to do. So they're going to talk about, like, how Josh Giddy is the next coming, you know, the up-and-coming player how Shea is the next guy like I do think Shea is very good but like that's what I think it is I just I think just people are just picking specific teams and just going for it. like you know NBA Twitter's watching Memphis because every single they their entire front office for drafting is draft Twitter so like they're those are the teams are going to watch I, I think if people were actually watching the Knicks they'd be like wow this crimes kid is really good like I can't believe he dropped the 25 and then they would be like, wow, Quickly's point guard play has really improved year over year, despite the, sh- you know, the shooting not coming. Like, I do think those are the, those are the conclusions people would come to. I just, I just don't think they're watching. Yeah, I don't think they're watching. I don't think they watch Memphis either, to be honest. I think most people don't watch a lot of basketball. And I think a lot of people depend on highlights and all this kind of stuff to make evaluations. Um, you know, I, I don't particularly, I've talked about this before. I, Memphis is a really good team. Obviously, they're what thirty-five and eighteen. I think now, um, yeah, they're they're mm-hmm. really good. They're probably going to beat the shit out of the Knicks on one tomorrow night on Wednesday. Um, but like, I, I don't. I really have a hard time understanding why anybody would find them fun to watch, other than if you just like John Morant, which is possible. But like, they're not actually a fun team to watch. Like, they're just not. I mean, look at what they are. Um, collectively as a team like yeah they're they're ninth in offensive rating so kudos to them for that um but like they're not a particularly good shooting team 
Okay. Uh, they are 25th in EFG. Okay. They are, they're, they don't turn the ball over much. But guess what they are great in? Guess what they're great in? What are they great in? They are great at offensive rebounding. Are you, like, I, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of watching great rebounding teams. I appreciate great rebounding teams because it helps you win basketball games, but I'm not particularly interested in watching great offensive rebounding teams. Um, I don't know how a team whose strength seems to be that they suck at making shots, but they are able to capitalize on that is the team that everybody loves watching. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. That's just me. Like I, I find that kind of hard to believe. Um, and maybe, maybe I'm looking at too simplistically, but I, I just don't see that. Um, you know, like I, I think there are plenty of teams that are a lot more exciting than them, a lot more interesting to watch. Um, but Hey, you know, I'm not NBA Twitter maybe. So, all right. Uh, all right. Before we move on though, uh, Drew, hmm. I know you're pumped for it. Do you know what's I'm happening pumped. in a couple of weeks? The trade deadline? No, the Super Bowl. It's the moment we've been waiting for since September is finally here. In honor of the big game, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in New York, meaning you can bet from almost a third of the country. If Sportsbook isn't in your state yet, play DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest for Super Bowl 56. New customers can get a free shot at a $1 million top prize with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use promo code TBPN, and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. That's for ages 21 plus, minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void were prohibited. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the TN Redline. That's 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888 888- Seven eight nine seven 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 seven, or visit ccpg.org/chat. In New York, call eight seven seven eight Hope and Y, or text Hope and Y four six seven three six nine. Okay. Now back to the mailbag. Uh, all right. So here's our next question. Um, this one is from Jax three six five. Do you think Johnny Bryant will get the interim tag next season, or will he get the head coach job in summer 2023? Is the summer 2023 that would be Tibbs's lame duck year, right? I don't. I don't know. Um, because this is his second year. It's I think he. I, so it wasn't reported. Third, so it would be like his fourth year, right? It I, would be entering his fourth year. Yeah. That I think it's going to be. Then I think Tibbs is going to get the rest of this season. I don't think he's getting fired. I don't think like if the Knicks do what we think slash want them to do and just like punt on these vets and just be like, just let the 
let the young guys play. I think a lot of issues that we're having with Tibbs kind of go away because like he would be forced to play certain players that we want him to play. And I think that was soften things for like, in terms of like, you know, like getting the heat because like right now, like Tibbs is uh, at least for the fans on the hot seat. Cause like he's playing like Kemba Walker, any minutes he's playing. He's still treating Burks as a point guard. Like he's not hard on Julius Randall. Like there are still like some things that are driving Knicks fans insane. So they're just like, get tits out of here as soon as possible. But if they get rid of the, uh, these older vets, I think that can, that'll save Tibbs for like the rest of this year and next year. Because yeah, I'm assuming because because like if it's like a disappointing season and like people aren't progressing, then I can see Johnny Bryan coming in the summer of 2023. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wallen. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. Yeah, it's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.